Hey guys, this is Kurt Cousins. You're listening to the Wild Takes Podcast. God bless. Going Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill, the thrill is for real. Seth Brodziak ahead, two on one with Niederreiter. He scores! Nito Niederreiter wins it for the Wild. Cut off by Mata, throws it off front, Dumba scores! Brian Walston for the wild. Penalty shot to tie the game. He blasts it Oh, my, what a shot. Fiala, Kaprizov scores! The thrill breaks the seal, and Minnesota wins in overtime. You're listening to the Wild Takes Podcast, presented by 10,000 Takes. Welcome to the Wild Takes Podcast presented by 10,000 Takes. This is the podcast where we talk about the wild and give our takes. I am Dev. With me, as always, is my painstakingly attractive co-host, Zooch. Zooch, how are you, buddy? Hey, we're doing great, man. Um, got a fantastic interview uh, later in the show. Very excited for you guys to listen to that. Um, no, it's all good over here, man. Just uh, painfully painfully waiting for the playoffs to start because <laughs> I'm just ready for it, man. I hear that, man. I'm excited. We're only a couple of weeks away. We're in the midst of a fun little stretch here of wild hockey. So before we get into all of that, let's uh, start off with our stick taps of the week. But, uh, but before we get into that, I want to talk, uh, we want to start off with our stick taps of the week. And I want to go first because the Premier Hockey Federation, or the uh, PHF, which is the Women's North American uh, Pro League, had their championship game on Monday night. Uh, first ever game that was broadcast on ESPN2, so that was pretty neat. And the uh, the game ends, it was uh, Boston, the Boston Pride win 4-2 to two over the Connecticut Whale, which was a great, like, Hartford Whalers touch. Um, really, really cool. It was definitely a bummer that, like, the Whitecaps weren't in it. Uh, they, they lost the, the game before. But overall, that, that game was really, really fun. If you have never seen a PHF game before, it was a great one to like get introduced to because it, uh, you know, it had, it had scoring. It was, uh, it had, uh, you know, kind of a dramatic comeback in the third period where uh, the white cap or whoops, the, the Boston team is, is down uh, by one going into the third period and they fire off three goals to, uh, to win it in pretty convincing fashion. Overall, man, Really, really cool experience. Really cool game. And uh, so stick tops to the PHF for finishing another great season. Love it. Love it. Uh, my stick taps are going out to the University of Minnesota and the University of Minnesota Mankato. Congratulations, making the Frozen Four. Mankato, that is their second of uh, second time in a row making the Frozen Four. Last Hell year, yeah. Cloud State. And this year, they are going to lose to the Gophers. So congrats. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I, we were talking about this. Um, I, I really don't care who wins. I am pulling for the Gophers a little more with that backstory with Mac Motzko. And I think it's a cool story if they can go and win the title for him. And, you know, it'd be a nice little touch, I bet, for Bob. And uh, unfortunately, these two teams are playing in the semis, like I just mentioned. But all four teams that made this Frozen Four are electric hockey teams. They are very talented hockey teams with Minnesota names riddled up and down them. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. I mean, personally, I think it's going to be Minnesota-Michigan in the final, but you can make an argument for any of these teams to be playing in the final. So 
I'm really excited for that Frozen Four. I think stick taps all around because I think the top four teams in the country made it to the Frozen Four this year, and that doesn't happen a lot. Look at the battle. Oh, no, yeah. That is not the top four teams in this country, and uh, I think, Dev, you will agree with me. <laughs> I watched, uh, Auburn play all year, and I really feel like Auburn is probably one of the top four teams in the country for basketball. But yeah, it, it worked out for college hockey this year, and the top four teams in the country made the Frozen Four how it should be. So stick taps to college hockey. It's going to be an amazing two days, and I'm hoping I get to watch the Gophers on my birthday competing for a national title. Hell yeah, that's going to be exciting. Um well, that yeah, I mean, that's gonna be a good time too. Uh, that was the other game that I watched the uh, the other night was the uh, Minnesota against Western Michigan. Good hockey game. Good hockey game, and man, that Ben Myers kid, pretty good at hockey. Good play, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Only got the overtime goal the game before off a fantastic give and go play with Aaron Huglin. So, Not a big deal. No, oh, I mean we've only been saying it for months that the Wild should probably hop on it and maybe give him a little contract offer, but yeah. I think he'd be fit in fantastically to a Minnesota wild lineup. No, I, I, I mean, from the, you know, I don't watch a ton of college hockey and uh, next week we're actually going to have the Hasmans on with us. Uh, 10 we will be talking college hockey there. 10K's premier college hockey podcast. Yes. Um, so you're definitely going to want to go check that out this week ahead of, ahead of the frozen four. They've got a lot of good stuff going on over there. And so we're having those guys come on next week uh, to talk about, what an incredible hockey college hockey season it's been. Um, well, yeah, I mean, an incredible hockey season it's been. And maybe talk a little bit to actual hockey players about their yeah. is playing hockey. So that'll be yeah, pretty- exactly. No, it's not just a name, guys. It's uh, <laughs> they really uh, are. These has-beens. two were, yeah, they really were has and two uh, very good former hockey players. So it's yeah, it's an exciting episode for sure. Yeah, it's uh, Gage Osmus and Trevor Olson, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast. Uh, both played uh, North Dakota for a couple of years. Won a natty title, went to three not a big fours. Deal. Yeah, no, no big deal. Just uh, a couple and, of has-beens there. <laughs> and now they do podcasts with us. So, you know, they really are just living the living the dream and living the name out of being full and has-beens. Let's move on to Cup Clinks. Uh, Zooch, yep. I want to give the floor to you first. What's your Cup Clink this week? My Cup Clink... And a big one goes out to the crowd at Eagle Street, eh, Eagle Street Grill. Uh, they were very involved with what we were doing there. They didn't have to be. We came in there and kind of threw ourselves in the corner and did a little pregame show. But they were super involved, super warm and welcoming, even with our technical difficulties that we had, which it's 10K. It's going to always technical difficulties. Given that we're going to show up and there's going to be some sort of te- technical difficulties. And we just, you know, another uh, another show, another bunch of technical difficulties. But they were awesome. They were ready, and they welcomed us with open arms when we started uh, performing our live show. And I just want to give them a, a nice little cheers. So thank you. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank cheers. You, uh, I was uh, watching from afar, and uh, it looked like a great time down here yeah. in North Carolina. But uh, glad everybody was able to get out there. Uh, I want to raise a uh, raise a toast to um, Will Smith's Gordie Howe hat trick. Um, if uh, if you didn't see it somehow uh, anywhere yeah. on the internet, uh, anywhere on the internet this week or at all during the actual like uh, Oscars ceremony, uh, Will Smith is the first ever actor to get a Gordie Howe hat trick at the Oscars. So he got an Oscar nomination for his be- uh, Best Picture for the movie he was in, uh, King Richard. 
He then, uh, so we'll count that as an assist. He then won best actor. Um, so that's your goal. And the smack heard around the world where he just absolutely slapped the shit out of Chris rock. Um, that is uh, obviously your fight. Very, uh, very uncomfortable situation. Pretty much everybody's in the wrong. Um, you know, don't make jokes that, uh, you know, don't make jokes that are mean just for being mean, especially when they're not that funny. And don't fucking slap people over jokes made. Yeah. Especially, yeah, over, especially, yeah. especially when you're, you were laughing at it until you yeah. see your wife's reaction. Um, so, yeah, you know. Uh, making a little bit light of it, but it made me laugh really hard that it is kind of a Gordy Howe hat trick, but for Hollywood, not, not, so. I think the greatest things that came out of it are the memes to me. I think there's, there's one, I don't know if anyone in 10 K posted it, but if they didn't, I think they should, cause it was absolutely hilarious, but we made quite a few and I think other, everyone did, but you know, it's, it's, you got to laugh at stuff like that sometimes because it's just so stupid and these, yeah. people, you know, supposed to be role models and i have the air quotes because this is a you know podcast it's an, so. it's an audio platform yeah audio platform so i have the air quotes up with role models so yeah let's not go up on stage and slap people because they make jokes but also let's not make jokes that are kind of out of pocket in the moment because yeah. it's a known thing everyone's in the wrong yep, absolutely. Ends, but cheers to will smith because that's awesome what a night yeah gordy howe <laughs> Uh, there was another fight on Sunday night that people are oh, yeah. not talking about in as wide of circles, but uh, Nathan McKinnon fights Dumba in his uh, best tough guy impression. Uh, Dumba lays an absolute smackdown on uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, absolutely levels him. And then Nathan McKinnon, of all people, runs up and starts a fight uh, against Matt Dumba. And then now it turns out, that McKinnon is going to be missing at least one game. He is uh, out for the Avalanche's next game against the Calgary Flames. And when asked about the level of concern that the team has over the injury, Avalanche coach Jared Bednar said simply, high. So a high level of concern because he got injured in a fight and Jared Bednar, you know, is being coy about it. So it could be a thing where... McKinnon is out for just one game. It could be a thing where he's out for a week or two. Who knows? It would be so incredibly funny. Not You don't ever root for injuries, and the fact that he's injured is not what's funny. But it would be very funny if like their entire season gets derailed because Nathan McKinnon got mad about a clean and legal hit. Well, and, and exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head there. It, the only reason it's funny is looking at it as a whole picture. Matt Dumba absolutely just took Miko Rantanen off his skates with an absolutely clean hit. He put the shoulder into the chest and laid him on the ice. Why are people trying to fight him for it? Are you offended that your player got hit hard? I, I Maybe don't skate across the middle with your head down. That might be a start in the NHL. Yeah. That, so it, it is funny. You know what? I will say it. It's hilarious, actually. You want to fight because someone lit, threw a clean hit and you got injured because of it. That's nobody else's fault but your own. And <laughs> the avalanche. So it's just funny. So, you know. yeah. Especially Eric Johnson takes a fucking cross check to Tyson Yost's back in the last minute. And I have to listen to these fans go, oh, well, he was falling down. Well, that may be true. He still rode him into the end wall with a clear cross check. So what the hell are you even saying? It's just ridiculous, especially because like Devon Tays like cross checks, cross checks, yeah. 
Like I mean, everything seriously. about it, you're just like, well, <laughs> there's that. But then he he got caught in the celebration too, which was <laughs> old there. That was hilarious. He's literally in the middle of their celebration. They're like, hey. But on, on the celebration topic here, we do have to talk about another celebration. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry for laughing because it, it truly is very funny. No, uh, lay it on the people because this was Matt Zuccarello. He might be one of my favorite wild players ever. He he's he's just so funny. He's always happy. He's high energy, and he's a great fucking player, guys. But Hartman scores a, the game time goal against the Avalanche on a fantastic play made by Zuccarillo. Mm-hmm. Uh, buries the backdoor pass on a little. Uh, I'd say Devon Toes made a uh, made a bad play. I'd say uh, and fed it right back to Zuccarillo, and Zuccarillo said, "Thanks for the puck. I'm going to give it to Hartman in the corner, and he's going to score a goal." So he scores, turns around, and points at Zuccarillo. At this point, the camera flips, and you see Hartman standing there, big old snot rocket hanging out of the nose. Zuccarillo, noticing, puts his whole hand up on Hartman's face, basically saying, hey, buddy, let's let's get this off your face. And, and he, he, yeah, they did all that. What a, yeah, what a guy. What a too, guy. Man. What a guy. That's just guys being dudes right there. And That's, I, yeah, ultimate, like – let nobody ever tell you that Matt Zuccarello is not just like the immaculate teammate. You know, he's yeah. out there playing, playing catch with Capri for an hour after practice. He's out there kissing Marcus Foligno on the lips, uh, at post game hugs. He's out there wiping boogers off of Ryan Hartman's face. What a guy just truly the all hail the lizard King because truly one of the best. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that was awesome. And more on Hartman a little bit. This guy is slowly becoming another, you know, one of my favorite players on this wild team. They're all so good. They all have so many good traits. And, like, so he's a pest. We all know this. He yeah. is constantly just talking to talk in front of the net or or putting his hand in someone's face, doing something. But I think one of the funnier moments we've seen of him as a pest this season was that interaction he had with Darcy Kemper. I believe it was early third, maybe late second period of the yeah. game. He skates into the zone. I believe it was an icing or it might have been an offsides call. But Hartman is way low, way down low. And he skates in front of, the, you know, Kemper standing in his net. And Kemper starts to take the typical goalie skate to the corner and tap his stick. Well, Hartman skates behind him, sticks his glove inside of Kemper's glove and kind of goes whoop over the head. Like drops it down and skates away just to be a nuisance or a pest. Exactly what I, you know, exactly. <laughs> but not only is a pest, he's scoring big goals and he's doing basically everything on that first line to get these guys going for, you know, Zuccarello and Caprizov. He's doing a whole bunch to <clears throat> keep these guys going throughout the season. And I was on record saying that they should have got a number one center, but I mean, shit. Hartman plays the way he's been playing after that little rough spell the the Wild went on. Hey, man, I'm all for having him in between Zuki and Kaprizov down the stretch here. So he has been very good lately for the Wild. He's back on track. Right. And he's not he's not scoring goals at the same clip that he was early in the no. season. But, like, we all kind of knew that that was unsustainable. I think what, uh, you know, I agree. I think everybody agrees that, like, you know, it would have been nice if they could have added a number one center. But. You know, he is our, he's going to be our top line center, but the, the moves that the Billy G made, yes, it would have been nice to have like a, bring in a first round center or a first, a first line center, you know, like a Tomas Hurdle or a Claude Giroux or something like that. Like, sure. That would have been very nice. 
super expensive, not super sustainable. And we talked about it last week on the trade deadline episode. The moves that they wild did allow them to go all in on this year without actually mortgaging the future. Whereas if they were to add, you know, a hurdle or Giroux or a Pavelski or whatever, they would definitely be having to give up more than what they gave up asset wise at this year's trade deadline. And I don't think they want to do that. So instead what they did is they got in a bunch of big physical guys that are going to create that space for our top offensive guys to have professional sports are all games of inches and millimeters. And if you can create just a little bit extra opening or, you know, a split second where the player is wide open, they can now get those takes off, get those smacks off. We talked about it in the pre-show, but like everybody complained about Kaprizov not having enough space in the playoffs last year and and just kind of going invisible. This is how you fix that problem is now exactly. you've got Nick Delorier, Jacob Middleton, and Marcus Foligno and Greenway, Foligno. people who already were here, you know, right. added, you're adding to the repertoire of these big physical bodies that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of casual hockey fans that I saw last year were saying, Hey, they should get bigger. And you're not right. Probably should get bigger because not, not for the reasons you're thinking of because they're getting bullied down low and all this because they weren't, but that's for another day and topic. The reason they need to get bigger is to open up space. Okay. These players after all game getting ran down by Middleton D low uh, Greenway. I mean, for God's sakes, even when Bukestead's healthy in the lineup and he's, you know, barreling down on people, that's a big body to keep taking hits and hits and hits. Right. No coming down on you. You know, you don't know that it's Kaprizov or whoever you're just on the ice playing hockey. So, I mean, Sure, they might have a little bit of idea when Caprizo's on the ice, but you're- <laughs> yeah, I think um, they probably know. But, but um, not when they're skating down in a corner about to get hit. You know, they're not looking around like, oh, I better look to see who's about to smash me into the end wall. They know that. They know that they have guys like D'Lo and this, and they're preparing for a hit and makes it a little easier for guys like Fiala and Boldy to go in there and go, oh, no, I'm actually not going to hit you. I'm going to take this puck, feed it out front, and score a goal. So that's what right. We- exactly. And so they're now they're able to create extra space on the ice. And that is going to lead to being able to create, you know, extra space in the standings. So the wild, the wild are currently the two seed. They're on a, they're on a six game winning streak. Um, They're the two seed in the West. Uh, We're recording this before they play the Philadelphia Flyers. And, you know, Zooch has talked about it being a trap game. And, you know, I have talked about how the Flyers are a very, very bad hockey team this year. So we'll see what happens there, but you know, they're eight, one and one in their last 10. They're on a six game winning streak. They have potential to be like the fifth team ever to win seven of nine games on a homestead on like the same homestand. Uh, if they win, if they win this game against uh, the Flyers tonight, the, the Wilder good team. And the good news is they're also three points ahead of the blues and four points ahead of the predators with games in hand on both of them. The wild still have only played 64 games whereas the uh, Blues and the Preds have played 65 and 66 respectively. The Wild would basically need to lose three more games that the Blues and the Predators both would uh, both would win in order to fall, Essentially fall, three fall games out of this. Right. And, you know, now that we're rolling again and the team is playing well and they're playing physical, but they're, you know, they're playing gritty and everything. Um we're able to create additional separation. You know, I think that the twos, I don't think that we're going to get the one seed um, spoiler alert, Colorado, very good hockey team. I know we beat them in overtime the other day, but uh, 
Colorado's very, very good, and and there's yeah. not really even with the two games we have in hand, that gives us if we win both of them, we're still ten behind them with only right. one against them. You're ten behind them with two games left against them. Make it interesting. You'd have to sweep them. Yeah, and if you did, you'd be six, and then it's interesting. But it, it's not going to happen. And I don't really think it matters too much in the long. No, season. I don't think it matters either. Um, but um, if they really wanted to make a run at that one seed, it would have. February had to have been better. And mm-hmm. if they would have won a few games in February, we're sitting here with a different tone. So yeah, absolutely. So I have a question for you, Zuch, uh, before we get to, uh, before we get to our special guest, we're going to be playing either the blues or the predators. Who would you rather see in the first round of the playoffs and why St. Louis blues? Okay. Why do you say that? I say that because I don't think their goaltending situation is as good. Yes, Jordan Bennington's a good goalie. He's won a Stanley Cup. He hasn't been as good as that Jordan Bennington the past two seasons. That's true, but Vili Husa has been very good. Yeah, yeah, but he ain't no Saros, who basically almost stole a series. Didn't almost steal a series, but he played very well against the Hurricanes last season. So, yeah, okay, so you and I are basically in agreement then, again, of, like, I'm... The Preds scare me a little... Yeah, the Preds scare me strictly because I have Josh Allen flashbacks, and I don't <laughs> doing that to us. I really don't. I, I I don't see them him doing it to us. The Nashville Predators are a sneaky team. They they have handled the Wild fairly well this season, and I don't know. I just feel like if we can avoid them, it'd be better for everybody involved. So I think the. <laughs> Because they've seen us one time this season, and it's been an outdoor game. I believe they've seen us one time. We played them another yep, time. That's only the one. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see them a few times before. So I, I like the Blues in a seven-game series, and I think a lot of the experts do too. I've seen a lot of people thinking they're saying if we if the Wild get the Blues, it's more than likely going to be Avs Wild in the the Western Conference semifinals to go. I- Sure hope so. Would love to see that. Hey, I have a pin, or I didn't pin it, but I have a tweet from, uh, I want to say, two, three, four months ago, saying, wow, this Avs Wild Series is going to be insane to go to the (laughs) finals. Winner goes to the finals, yeah. No, I'm with you, man. It's going to be crazy for sure. I'm pretty much in agreement with you for all of the reasons that you just said. Yeah, Uh, I think UC Saros is an incredible goalie and scares me a lot. Uh, scares is maybe too strong of a word. But, uh, <laughs> he's, he's a terrifying individual. He's not a he's not a person that I would want to be stuck alone with in a dark alley or any alley, really, because like alleys are kind of scary and notorious for like murders and stuff. Like nothing good ever happens in an alley, right? Like right. When's the last time you tornado were like, yeah, alley, a regular I, alley? I, mean, I walked into this alley and some guy gave me a hug and fifty bucks. That's never happened before ever. Right. Yeah. Unless there's you goods know. and or services being traded. God, what's that guy on TikTok that gives people money? Uh, a friend of the brand. Ah, God, I can't remember his name. But yeah, unless you run into him, um, people might know who I'm talking about. But you always see people ask him to do a good deed and gives them like $1,000. Unless you run into him in an alley, that's probably the only person you want to run into. It. I'm excited for the interview we got coming up here, Deb. I am too. We've got a very, very special guest. It's Alexis Pearson. So definitely stick around. We're going to be right back with Alexis after a quick break. All right, folks, listen up. We have some very exciting news. There is new merch in the 10K store. Well, it's not there yet, but it will be soon. If you head on over right now to 10KTakesMN.com and you check out the store, you will see a spot where you can pre-order your very own 
Billy G shirt. It's a great design. Marlo designed it. Zooch, tell the people about the shirt, about the design, about how soft it is, about how it's going to make them more attractive to the opposite sex or the same sex. Maybe they're... Hey, yeah, gonna, whatever your prerogative is. It's going to make judge you, on this podcast. It is going to make you more attractive to the exact demographic that you're trying to be more attractive to. That's a exactly. fact. We made a t-shirt with a Billy Goat on it. Billy Goat, why? Because Billy Garen, Billy Gambles, your GM of the Minnesota Wild, your deadline hero. Billy the Goat. Goat of GMs in this state. It's all about fucking winning to this guy. And you know what? We put that on a shirt, okay? We put a goat on a shirt that says Billy above it, and it says, this is about fucking winning. Because it is, guys. Here's the other thing about this shirt. It is unbelievably soft. It is very fun. It is a great conversation starter. And last but not least, it is only available for one week. Pre-order goes available on Friday, April 1st. Not an April Fool's joke. And it is only going to go through that following Saturday. It's now or never, quite literally, unless it's not. And it's Saturday is the April 9th, by the way. Which is uh, my birthday. So happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. Just put on my birthday and give it to me because... So yeah, again, pre-orders live, live on Friday at 10ktakesmn.com. Go ahead, get you one. It's going to be great. You'll probably get a promotion at work. You might get signed to the Wild for a two-year, $2 million contract AED. You never know. Anything is possible with this shirt. Go ahead, go buy it, and we'll talk to you soon. Our next guest is a very special guest. You hear her voice every Monday on the Bar Down Beauties podcast. Just now, spicy takes and love for physical hockey play. And you probably saw her as the color analyst of the Premier Hockey Federation's championship game on Monday night on a small little network called ESPN2. Ever heard of it? Please welcome on friend of the brand and elite hockey mind, Alexis Pearson. Alexis, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. I'm good. Friend of the brand is such a good introduction. I love that because you guys are, I, I love doing anything I can with you guys. And I was honored to be invited onto this podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been a busy weekend, but happy to be here and talking some wild hockey. Yeah, no, I was telling, <laughs> I was telling Dev before we started uh, Yeah, last night, my buddy who was in the army came back in the town. So we all went out and got some drinks and we're sitting there. And I look up on the TV <laughs> see you i'm like <laughs> hey i have her on the podcast <laughs> it's, it was just kind of funny to see but yeah game last night it was a lot of fun and you know what's funny is i had so many people who i mean like obviously people know that i do this for a job but like i don't think people who are maybe a little bit more removed from my life know the extent of it and i had people who i hadn't talked to in a long time text me and be like oh my god you're literally on my tv right now i'm like i didn't even know you were gonna watch this game that's so cool i love that thank you um so it was really cool seeing people send me photos of them watching me on tv and it ended up being a really really good final game which is always Mm -hmm. exciting as well and uh wrapped up a good weekend of hockey so but i also i'm excited to be home i teared up a little bit when i saw st paul uh uh, flying back in um (laughs) to Minneapolis airport today because it was a a long time in Florida, but the weather was beautiful there. So a little sneak preview of what a summer here in Minnesota is going to look like in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So we talked about on literally our last episode of the podcast that like neither of us are as versed in the PHF as we should be. Um, I follow the white caps and that's pretty Uh much it. You know, it was, I was really like, I, I was bummed when, like I was actually, honestly, I was probably not even going to watch. And then I saw that you were going to be doing the championship (laughs) game. And I was like, oh man, I'm like, annoyed because the white caps are out of yeah. it but gotta support the homie yeah um, yeah so we were flipping between that and like this like electric electric yukon nc state women's oh my basketball god game. yeah oh um, yeah i heard about that yep 
Yep. Very yeah, good obviously, game. I was going to say, obviously, you very good game. <laughs> Wasn't watching was a, it, but. <laughs> there was a lot of really exciting things happening in women's sports, but we we both recognize that, like, we have kind of a missing spot in, in like, our, like, sports knowledge. You know, Zuch's uh, wild take last week is that all the men's teams were going to make the playoffs, and he didn't even bother to include the women's because it's a foregone conclusion that the Minnesota <laughs> yeah, they are. teams I mean, are going to make it. the because like honestly minnesota sport minnesota women's like as much as we all bitch about minnesota sports like minnesota women's sports fucking rock yeah yeah Yeah. they hold it down and not even just like the teams here but like some of the minnesota born women's players you know like like Paige, you know like something like that it's like we love her and that's that's our girls who's from minnesota so and and even close to the twin cities here so it's it's really cool and i i always appreciate when people you know say like hey i want to learn more or hey i tuned in to watch you because even if even if someone's tuning in to watch me that means they're still absorbing the product of the game and hopefully we got a new fan out of somebody watching that or even somebody like you who's like hey i'm sad the white caps aren't in it i don't really want to watch it now but i'm gonna watch it anyway because i know somebody who does this and and that that is really cool and i agree it was sad the white caps couldn't uh, make it to the final they kind of had uh, not as good of a season as they've had in seasons past and so i wasn't entirely surprised they didn't make it to the final um but it always is a little bit more fun when i'm broadcasting a game like that when i know that the hometown team is in it so too bad they won yeah. um on sunday uh, but we got a good game monday anyway so that was that was exciting that was a really yeah. good game. If, um, you know, in case anybody didn't watch it for some dumb reason, you know, uh, <laughs> Boston wins 4-2 was the final, right? Yep. Uh, but Connecticut was up at the end of the yeah. second period. It was uh, 2-1, and it was a really good game. Um, that first period was really fun because, like, it started off a little bit slow, and then um, yeah. Jillian uh, – what is – I'm Dempsey. blanking on the girl. Yeah. Yep. Jillian Dempsey t- – uh, does this like sick backhander yeah. in for the to open up the score and you're like oh okay and so it's like <laughs> it was really really cool <laughs> yeah no it was it was a really fun game and some of the top tier talent of both those teams ended up shining last night which is really exciting especially for people who haven't watched a game for that league before haven't been exposed to those teams to see the star player shine always makes it that much more exciting um and and Jillian Dempsey getting the scoring start it was awesome and I mentioned it on the broadcast but it, that was the first game yesterday in the final uh throughout the playoffs of all five games where the team where there was a comeback at a, in any yeah. fashion so in every other game, the first team who scored either held the lead or kept it tied for the remainder of the game. This was the first time we saw a comeback where Connecticut did jump ahead, unfortunately for them, ultimately losing the game. Um, but we did get a little bit of drama, which we didn't really see much of that throughout the yeah. other games. And even the Boston games, they blew out both their opponents in the quarterfinal and the semis. So this was the first close game Boston had played in. And uh, Connecticut and Minnesota's game was pretty close. But um, I, I was really happy with the overall product. And people kept asking me, like, before the game, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? I'm like, listen, Boston has won before. They won the most recent one and the first one. And they've been to the finals before. They've done this. They've done that. Connecticut had never even been to a finals, but they had such a great season that I'm like, I can't bet against either of these teams right now. Like, you can, can yeah. you could make an argument either way, and I would believe you. So I think the game reflected that as well, which was really exciting to see. No, I agree. I think that was – it was a really exciting game. Um, you know, bummer that Boston wins. Uh, <laughs> I know you kind of wanted the Cinderella story, right? I was, I was, you know, part of me was like, man, it'd be really cool to see Connecticut win just because they haven't won it before. And I'm, I'm a big fan of underdogs to begin with. Like yeah. that's just kind of my MO with sports. I'm always rooting for the underdog. Maybe it's the Minnesota sports fan in me who's used to having to do that. And so I just keep doing yep. it when I'm given right, the opportunity. Right. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I thought it was cool to see Boston win again, because, you know, we know how hard it is in sports to uh, win back-to-back championships, no matter what league you're 
you're in, um, what level you play at. It's tough to do that. So I think that was exciting in its own right because um, it's it's pretty rare to see, you know, dynasties and back-to-back championships or three in a row. And uh, so I thought that was cool in its own right, but it would have been nice to see Connecticut close it out after a really good season. Yeah. Um, so kind of looking forward on the PHF stuff, like what are going to be some of the, like the off season storylines? I know that they've got a big influx of cash coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to, I think, I think it's going to double the salary yes. cap or something close yep. to that. Um, so like, what are, what, sh- what should people, uh, you know, whether it's local or just, you know, focus on the white caps or the PHF as a whole, like what should people be looking out for this off season? Well, the, the salary cap doubling is probably the biggest storyline, to be honest. Um, so they've got that happening. And last year, it doubled as well. So we've seen a huge increase just in okay. the last two years um, with the salary cap, which is really, really awesome at the speed at which that has moved. Um, yeah. So by the time next year rolls around, they'll basically be be close to a livable wage, um, which I know is not where we want to be yet. We want to be well above that and what other professional leagues are at. But this is a huge step from where they started at. So that's really exciting. They are adding two new expansion teams which is going to be cool. One's going to be in Montreal and they haven't announced the other one yet. I'm kind of hoping it's a Midwest team just because all the teams are on the East coast. And then you've got Mm -hmm. the white caps in Toronto. So if they're going to add another Canadian team, it would be cool to add somebody in the Midwest, maybe Chicago or something like that. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Iowa. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Throw a team in Iowa. Um, So that's going to be exciting. And then the other thing that's uh, going to be a big change is the current commissioner tied to Minia is leaving at, at, at the end of the season here. So they're going to have a new commissioner in place so it's always exciting to um kind of see what that you know entails and what they bring to the league and Ty Tanya did so much with the PHF that I can imagine whoever replaces her has got some big shoes to fill here so a lot of exciting things happening in the offseason and uh you know over time they've added they've extended the season where they've added more games I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens right now they're playing um basically a like a college style format where you play a series over the course of a weekend um so Mm -hmm. maybe that's something they change up and play more of a you know in-week schedule or don't go with the series um, formatting. So those are some of the biggest things to pay attention to. And then uh, obviously with the broadcasts, we hope to just keep going up and up from where we were. I got, I got emails from my producers and, and directors this morning saying ESPN was very pleased with the broadcast um, yesterday, which is really exciting because obviously if we can prove to them that we put out a good product, they're only going to want us to do more of it. So hopefully yeah. a lot of exciting things happening in the off season <laughs> on top of the things we already know for sure are going to be happening. Yeah, was that the yeah. first game that was broadcast on ESPN? This on season? ESPN or two. So all ESPN of the two. other games, yep, all the other games were ESPN Plus or TSN um, for the okay. Canadian people, um, and then they also did some stuff on Twitch for international viewers, um, which Twitch is what we were broadcasting on before the ESPN deal. Um, but this was the first um, first game that was on ESPN two. And uh, it was also the first linear broadcast, which for those non-broadcasting people, that basically just means like it it literally went directly through ESPN instead of like kind of an in-between um, person kind of uh, facilitating stuff. So that was that was a big deal as well to have that be the first linear broadcast. So, um, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of firsts yesterday. So that, yeah. was, that was really cool to be a part of it. It's good so first steps okay. in the right direction. Yes. Too. So what's uh, you know, growth? How, how cool is it that you now get to tell everybody that like you were the first women's hockey color commentator on ESPN networks ever? Yeah, it's, it's cool. And you know, what's funny is when we, so, um, 
this stuff is always so funny to me because like sometimes I don't even realize that like I did, just did something and then people are like you were the first one to do that or like <laughs> you're one of the few to do that I'm like oh really okay cool um yeah. <laughs> when when I broadcasted the the year that the Whitecaps won the Isabel Cup which was my first season with the Whitecaps in 2018-2019 my broadcast partner and I um her name is Kelly Schultz she does work for uh Bemidji um broadcasting their women's hockey games um and we were the first female duo to broadcast a professional championship game across men's and women's ever. Like both of us were women. So that was, that was a really cool step when that happened. And now to be a part of this. And I mean, even like, I, I was so like, it's gracious to the by producers at the end of the night. I'm like texting them. I'm like, thank you. I know how big of like a deal this is that you trusted me with this opportunity. And so it, it doesn't go unnoticed that by me that, um, these things that I get to do is a privilege and not everybody. And trust me, I, Hey, we all know lots of people who are doing stuff like I am who work very hard. And I know that it's not an easy path just to walk in and get that opportunity. So it's, it's a really cool feeling when all is said and done. And honestly, the best part of yesterday, I think wasn't even necessarily the broadcast. It was like people, you know, my friends, my family, guys like you, you know, people in my circle who were saying like, Hey, you killed it. Like that was so cool. Like that was the best part. Just knowing that people were proud of me, I think was, was better than being a part of the broadcaster, being on camera, being on ESPN. It's just anytime you can make the people in your circle proud, that to me is like the coolest feeling. So that was the best part of yesterday. And even today I'm still getting texts and it, it really makes me feel warm inside to know that I have that many people in my corner. Yeah, no, it, you, I mean, you, you absolutely did kill it too. Um, mm-hmm. I watched, uh, I, I watched the game with, you know, my wife who we talked about uh, before the show that is, is not a big, uh, big <laughs> sports fan. And, um, and my friend is staying with us and he is a, he is a big sports guy, but he's yeah. not, he's not a big hockey guy. He doesn't okay. know what he likes hockey, but he just doesn't know a ton about it. And so we're watching the first uh, period before they both uh, went to bed. Cause they both had earlier uh, mornings than I did. And they're like, oh, this is, this is cool. This is really yeah. cool. And like, they learn a little something and then like, you know, it cuts to like you in the, in the booth and I go like full, like butt of the elf. Like I know her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of people doing that yesterday. And I, the, the, I think one of the coolest ones that I heard, my uncle texted me and uh, my dad had told me, he's like, Hey, you know, these are all the family of ours who's watching. And one of them was one of my uncles who texted me at the end of the night. He's like, Hey, I'm so proud of you. You did such a good job. And I was like, thanks for watching. Like that means a lot to me. And he was like, yeah, I'm in Vegas right now. I literally went went up to my hotel room just to watch your broadcast. And I was Aww. like, well, I think that earns you uncle of the year award. So thank you for <laughs> taking time out of your vacation to do that. Um, so just things like that, you know, people saying like, either I enjoyed the broadcast, I learned something new. I want to now watch this league more. I want to learn more about these players. Like all of those things are positives that come out of a day like yesterday. And um, it's, it's really cool to help be a facilitator of that because ever since I joined the league, something I've taken a lot of pride in is like, you know, when I joined the league had already been around for three years. So I joined in its fourth season and now I've been doing it for three seasons, uh, four seasons. And And so when I joined the league, there was still so much to be done and they were still growing and learning about themselves and learning about how to promote themselves and, and so much right with the young league. And now where we're at, it's like, I've always taken pride in the fact that I've been a part of that movement to help get people to learn about this league. And that I take a lot of pride in that because it does really take a village to do something like that. And, you know, the athletes can only do so much. The management can only do so much Us broadcasters can only do so much, but like when we all come together, 
we get something like yesterday, which a lot of people in the league, players, coaches, everybody alike has been looking forward to since the league started in 2015. So it's uh, a culmination of a lot of hard work by a lot of people. And I was just honored <laughs> to be one of the faces that brought the game to people yesterday. Yeah, no. And, and again, you, you absolutely knocked it out of the park. I know uh, I listened to Paul Allen's show enough time and he's another one of the, you know, friends of the brand, yeah. um, where, you know, he's, he's always been calling you hyper a, and I think you're going to have to change your nickname to like trailblazer a, or something. <laughs> do, you, do you know where we that, can... uh, that nickname came from real quick? Because I feel like I've heard the story, but I don't remember it. A lot of people don't know the story when they I tell it, they think it's the funniest thing ever. So I worked at Canterbury for about four years, and that's where I met Paul Allen. Um, and I worked there for about four summers from the time I was uh, 20 up until the year of the pandemic. And um, every single day of racing, there's like four or five days of racing a week, depends on the week. And some racing days were at night and some were during the day. No matter what, I came to Canterbury with a extra large Starbucks coffee. And I would always go up to the press box and I would say hi to everybody before I went down to, you know, do my work for the day. Yeah. And Paul Allen would always joke around. He's like, you always have, you're always got this large thing of caffeine. You're always hyped up. And so he just started calling me hyper a, because I was literally always chugging <laughs> caffeine around him. And I'm like, this actually is a very fitting nickname. I do spend most of my life doing this. Um, so that's where the nickname came from. But it's just funny. Cause like nobody outside of the Canterbury circle ever knew what that story was. They're like, where did you even get that name? And oh, I'm that's like, funny. it's kind of a, a weird story, but yeah, I think it's my favorite nickname I have. So I'll, I'll take it. Well, one of your other nicknames is president of the Marcus Foligno fan club. Self-proclaimed. Uh, yes. I, I don't, I, is, I don't even know if that's a nickname as much as it is like a title, a title. It's yeah. A title. It's a job. Um, so <laughs> it's a job. Yeah. And, and it's a job that you're again, doing very well because everybody knows about the Marcus Foligno fan club. Um, how nervous are you that Nicholas Delorier may be like <laughs> starting to pull some people out of the Marcus Foligno fan club and doing like a D'Lo fan club or something like that, or. So, you know, what's funny is at the very end of our episode on Monday for Bar Down Beauties, we were talking about the new guys on the wild team and like who we thought would yeah. you know be our favorite, the biggest impact. And I said, I was like, if I didn't have a Marcus Foligno fan club already, I would probably be starting a Nick Delorier fan club literally yesterday. So um, I, <laughs> it, it's hard to, to, you know, not like a guy like that because that's the kind of style of hockey that I love. I love the in your face hockey. I love the guys who will stand up for their teammates. I love a good fight. I I love a good Superman punch. I love, you know, banging on the side of the bench when someone else is fighting. Like I want all of that in, in my favorite hockey players. And I think the fact that the wild now have two of those guys is, is really exciting. So no, I don't see it as a threat to the Marcus Foligno fan club. In fact, if Nick Delore wants to join the Marcus Foligno fan club, I, I wouldn't be able to I think he already has. Well, he think, literally said, yeah. he's like, Hey, I'm here to protect this guy. So I think yeah. he's a fan. I think he's a fan. <laughs> no, I, and, and I think you, you hit it on the head though. How, how they like the, hit the bench after a fight D'Lo after every fight since he's been here that he's been involved in a fight yet but they show him on the bench after every fight and he just looks like he's unhinged he wants to oh, go up yeah <laughs> he looks like he's a wild like shaking yeah. yeah he's chomping at the bit he's got like an evil smirk on his face I was gonna say half the time he's over there like laughing I'm like that yeah. that man I that I, I stand that I stand that yeah. real hard you yeah. want, I think like, he wants in on some of the action I don't think it's gonna be tonight with the fight because we we already talked about this is kind of like after the weekend the Wild had, and we yeah. kind of did this on the last, we knew there is going to be two exciting games, a Saturday night and a Sunday night against the Avs. This game worries me tonight because it's such a lull. It's like, oh, we got one of the worst teams in the league coming, and 
I don't know if the Wild just play down to bad teams, but it seems like they do sometimes. And I don't know, just very much like a trap game to me. And I don't see Delorier fighting anyone in a game like this, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm hoping they bring the energy again, but it just feels I... like a lull game. So I don't believe in the trap game. I'm on record saying that, first of all. Don't believe in the trap game. I refuse okay. to for mental health reasons to believe in the trap game. <laughs> um, okay, so it's self-preservation. Yeah, yes. self-preservation. Yes. It exists out there, just not in my world. I won't let it in. Um, so no, That's I, good. Yeah, positive vibes only. <laughs> right? But I do think you've got a really good point about the fact that this is one of those games where you have to be careful because – the wild can't get caught up in some kind of psychotic hockey tonight. You have to just play your game because you know, the flyers, the flyers can be eliminated from the playoffs tonight. If the wild win in regulation. So not that the flyers have a chance to make the playoffs. If they win tonight, like their playoff hopes aren't, they're dead. They've been dead. But I mean, I think I saw if the flyers somehow managed to win out and also the capitals don't get a single point for the rest of the season. They can squeak in as the so eight the seed in the east. There. The hope is there. The, the dream is isn't dead. No, it's not um, dead quite yet. But I just think that I do think the Flyers are going. I mean, the the last game the Wild played against the Flyers, where they were in that bit of a slump, and the Flyers played them real hard, and the Wild made that game a much harder win than they needed to. I think the Flyers definitely have the ability to try to make the Wild play that kind of game again. I just hope the Wild are in a better mental space now than they were, you know, three, two weeks ago, whenever that game was. And I think you just got to stick to yeah. your game. And like you said, three overtime games this last week, you played some really close um, matchups this last week and you don't want to get caught up, you know, skating your skates off, right? Like just go out there and play your game. You got, th- you know, another game Thursday, another back-to-back on the road this week yeah. and don't wear yourself down against a Philadelphia Flyers team. They're, they're really not worth it. Just go out and get no. the win make it easy on yourself and let's move on with the week. Roll four lines all yes. night. I don't care. Don't even match the line. Just roll. Yes. <laughs> Should be able to beat this team rolling four lines. Yes, agreed. No, yeah, I mean, should for sure. Um, hopefully, hopefully they do. It is, um, it is one of the things too, uh, Mark Andre Fleury is going to be in net and, you know, you and, and Jesse have, uh, have been at odds all season over the, uh, the wilds goalie situation. Mm-hmm. Zuch and I have been not quite to that level yet. Okay. Um, where, uh, Zuch has always been a little bit higher on the goalies than I have been, but I was never at the point of Jesse where I was like, yeah, these guys are terrible. We need to get yeah. them out of here. Blah, blah, blah. I was never quite there. I was always just kind of like. They always had the, like, I still believe in Kapokak and I still think he's going to be a good goalie in the Agreed. NHL, just not for the Minnesota wild. And, uh, you know, I, I also still have, I've never really doubted that Cam Talbot has the ability to be good and rattle off some good times. It just like, they also both can also be streaky. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think adding flower, you know, he's, I, you know, very on the record, favorite, favorite goalie, love him. I think it's, it was one of those things. It's like, it's only going to help. But, um, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, Talbot's won, what, five or six straight? Um, More than that. He, seven. Five. Seven. In, okay. He has in his last, and during this winning streak that the Wild are on, he's 5-0, and oh, goals against of 1.4. Damn. What, what more do you want? Sexy. Okay. What yeah. more do you want? He, I mean, he was the first star of the week last week. A Wild player's been the first star of the week. Been any star. Any first, star. second, or third. any star. Yeah, You're any telling star. me Kaprizov hasn't been a star of the week at some point. Hartman early on in the season. Hartman Nobody. Yeah. yeah. Come on. I now. was very surprised by that. But yeah. Felino even. Felino's, yeah. I mean, Felino's had some really good weeks. Uh-huh. Hat tricks left and right, scoring goals. 
Yeah. No, I, I think that, you know, with the goalie situation, here's how I would put it. Like, think about it this way. If you've got just take Kirill Kaprizov, for example, Kevin Fiala, pick, pick a star forward for the Minnesota wild. If they go five games without getting a point, are you ready to trade them? Do you think they're Hell washed no. up? They're done. No. I mean, that's the equivalent of a goalie having a bad stretch, right? I mean, that's to, a great analogy. It's, it's, right? it's, and I, I, I mean, agree hundred percent. You're yeah, disappointed. You, you want yeah. them to get points, right? And you're, you're saying, Hey, pick your game up. You're better than this, but you're not saying that's it. We're, we need to, we need something new. That's not the answer. Get rid of them, bring somebody else in. And that's kind of the way that I see it because Every team, every goalie, every player is going to go through stretches in a season where they just don't have it for whatever reason. Maybe they're dealing with lingering stuff at the beginning of the season. Yeah, like it happens. And there's a lot of different reasons why athletes go through stretches like that in a season. And especially in hockey, when you're playing an 82-game season, that can wear you down. And depending on what kind of hockey your team plays, what your schedule looks like, all these things can be factors. And really, when you break it down, Cam Talbot and Kapokakinen had one bad month. One bad month. And I don't even know if I would say bad, bad. I mean, the Wild weren't scoring really either. I mean, there was a lot of things going into what yes. made that month of February not good. Um, and, and I don't think you can fully blame just the goalies for that. Um, no, I don't think you, so either. Yeah, you need to score goals to win as well. And if you're not scoring you goals, need to play well, defense as well. Need it's to like play defense. Not, yeah. It was like, yeah, you know, we're losing games 3-1, but like you're not going to win games playing 1-0 there either, right. you know? Uh, yeah. No, I, I agree. And um, – you know, I, I maintained at the time that I thought Talbot was like working through an injury or something like kind of minor where it's like not going to keep him out. And for whatever reason, Dean didn't want to play Capo like eight games in yeah. a row, um, which, you know, I get. But at the same time, like we've seen, you know, we'd seen Big Cac like uh, mm -hmm. just, you know, he plays like six games in a row. And by the sixth game, like he's like in he's a groove and he gets yeah. it. and. <clears throat> So, like, I, I don't totally understand why they were so hesitant to keep doing that. Well, and um, I just want to say real quick, too. Yeah, no, during, that, during that stretch, I never, like, deny the fact that the goalies were struggling. Like, I, I was like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're not doing well right now. That, to me, doesn't indicate that the season is over and that they could right. help yeah. us win a playoff series or a Stanley Cup. Even. Like, I in my mind, I'm just like, I, I knew that they were better than what they were showing that month. And I knew they would get back to it. And Cam has. They've now shipped off Capo, so we're not going to know how he might have turned the season around. But hopefully Flurry can fill those shoes and exceed some but yeah I, I never denied and I think some people thought that you know like I was in denial that the goalies were bad at that time I'm like no I get it they're not playing good hockey right now but that to me doesn't mean that I think we should all throw in the towel and that was kind of the hill I was dying on well, and, I think, and that's where I was I think we yeah. both me and Dev, both of us were on that it's like okay this team who has been so good all season now they've had a rough stretch of six games and we're all of a sudden like oh god they suck we're not yeah. we're, done. we're not making the playoffs I mean I saw people saying yes. are they gonna make the playoffs and I, i've been on record i guaranteed a playoff for that for the first month of the season i was like all right this is, we're going to the playoffs this and that year. was before we even got like hot too. that was before we got hot it might have been one of my wild takes i, I remember <laughs> but i was so high on this team because of you just look up and down it's got the chemistry mm -hmm. i think it's got the goaltending besides one rough stretch like we yep. discussed their defensemen all like mesh together well they have one that jumps up in the play and can pinch mm -hmm. and plays a strong defensive game, which is kind of what you want. And four lines that can roll against anybody, really. I mean, you got, you got a, yeah, you've got a top, top line that's line like not afraid to four check, and you've got a fourth line that can score. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what more do you want, right? I mean, that's, I, they that's, got that's a playoff team right there, and yeah. that's a team that can do damage, like Flurry said the other night after his first game, which was electric, by the way. I've never Agreed. seen go that crazy over a goalie. Well, <laughs> and I think when. 
when Flurry is in the locker room post game when he was like thanking the guys for like hanging on and fighting till the end. I like it was getting emotional. I'm like this. I love this team right? so much. Like look at him. They're like his first. And even Cam Talbot like, you know, he's got 500 plus wins, but it's his first F and win with the Wild. I'm like hell yeah, I tell him. Like I was so excited. I was like, I love this team. Like it was. Oh, just, that was electric. And I think that's, and that's why Cam Talbot kind of wasn't traded too. Yes, he's such a good locker room guy. He doesn't. Yes. Look- he can get to him. One bad goal is not going to throw off a night. And, uh, trading for a future Hall of Famer isn't going to make him cripple into a little ball and go, oh, well, they don't want me here anymore and they don't want me to play. No, I'm just going to go on a 5-0 and tear with a 1.4 goals against him. No biggie. And I think that's, right back. Like, that's what a good team does. A good team exactly. is able to mesh to the situation. And you have to be able to um, transform over time. The same team you were on day one of the NHL season is – unlikely going to be the same team you are on day, you know, game 82. And, you know, you still have to maintain what makes you your team, but there's going to be things that go on in the season, injuries, trades, uh, you know, ups and downs, all that kind of stuff you have to mold with. Otherwise, if you can't figure out how to shift with it, it's going to leave you in the dust. And I think that's what this wild team has done so well is just, they have gone with the flow of the season and a situation like that, where Goalies, especially, we all know how goalies are. We know how goalies are. And and it, it's tough to play goalie in the NHL because it's like quarterbacking. There's so few positions. And if you're not the best of the best, sorry, there's not a spot for you. It's not like you're there's, you know, this many defensemen, this many four. There's two goalies right. per team, maybe three, right? And so right. I can see how I understand why a lot of goalies get shaken up when goalie trades are made because that could directly indicate their job as well. And the fact that Cam Talbot said, forget about it, I'll just keep going winning some games for you. And when you jump in, Flurry, you go win some games and we'll be a great duo. And that's what Dean Evison basically said. You know, he's like, why do we have to have one goalie? Why can't we roll two? And I think that's a listen. When the Wild went on their tear in 2003, they had two rock star goalies um, to help yeah. them down that stretch. So people forget, you Manny Fernandez it. and Dwayne Worlison were a tandem. Rolly the so. goalie, baby. <laughs> nope. yeah. yeah. And the, I mean, those were two very good goalies as well. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you two look very at different this goalies. Wild team. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm on record saying I wasn't worried about the goalie tandem. Both me, I, and, uh, even with Hakkinen <laughs> and Talbot. Yeah. I wasn't as high on Hakkinen uh, as I think both you two are, but. Yeah. I well, think I think Talbot was definitely the guy to keep. You got. You I took- kept feeling like Kakinen had more to give, and just like Dev said, mm-hmm. like I really do think he's going to have a good career in the NHL with yes. some team, wherever that is. I do think he has the potential and the capabilities, and we've seen some really good games out of him. Where I'm like, that guy's got it. Maybe not right now, but at some point he'll be playing consistently here with a team in the NHL. Um, and so I, I agree 100 percent with that. That somewhere he he will shine. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the thing that makes Flurry and Talbot a really good duo as well is they're very different. Flurry's very flashy. He wants to make the big plays. He he wants to, you know, he's not afraid to chirp a little bit. He'll get in guys' mm-hmm. face where Cam Talbot is kind of like, listen, I'm here to stop the puck. Everything else is just white noise. And and he's very good right. at that too. So I like well, unless the, you're Alex Navelkovich. Well, sure. And he, yeah, might, but... and he might come down and try to fight you. See, Whatever that's happened like, there, that was weird. That at was, that point I in the season, never seen him do that. I was like, if anybody talks trash about Cam Talbot from here on out, you're done. Yeah, like, I'm not listening right. to it anymore. This man was ready to throw down. Yeah. So don't oh. even talk to me. <laughs> you guys, I mean, do you guys remember the Battle of Alberta a couple of years ago where Cam Talbot and Mike yes. Smith just like started chucking nuts <laughs> yeah, their eyes? They did, didn't they? The man oh, loves goodness. to fight. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I something about them. goalie fights really gets Talbot going, I think. He, oh, he yeah. just, absolutely second opportunity there and he was down the ice like that 
the fight. Well, and even in that post game, like they, we asked him, I remember we had him on the show for the radio network. I was working that game and he, um, Joe O'Donnell asked him, he was like, you know, what was your thought process? Like heading down there for that situation. And he's like, we stick together. Like, and the boys needed me. Like it was that simple. He's yeah. like, Hey, the, the squad was fighting. I'm fighting. I see you later. <laughs> I see you see you later. I'm going down there. So I, I love that attitude we've seen out of the wild this season because it really radiates the chemistry that they have. And even just hearing, like we had Tyson Jost on the podcast this week and you could tell by the way he talked about his entrance to Minnesota, that he was so welcomed by the rest of the guys and just really drove home the fact that like, Hey, these guys were so great. They made the transition so easy, not just for me, but for all the new guys, like, and, and that's tough. And so the fact that these new guys are saying, Hey, this is a team that has chemistry. And Tyson Jost even said, he's like, that's what you look for in a playoff team and this team has got it. And I'm like, all right, hell yeah, go off Tyson Jost. Okay. Welcome to the dark <laughs> side. So um, <laughs> I, I think this team has got a lot of good things about them that we have not seen in their history before. Yeah, yeah no, hell yeah. I'm excited. And I know that you're also short on time. Um, so we thank you very much for joining us. We're going to end this interview the way we end every other interview uh, by asking you, Alexis Pearson, what is your wild take? So my wild take, I kind of already mentioned it, but I this is what I had in my head the whole time. My wild take is that a one month of bad stretch of hockey by a player does not mean they are a bad hockey player. And if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> I think that's something most rational, uh, most rational wild fans and hockey fans and sports fans in general can all could agree. Use, yeah. And well, yet. could you exactly? That's, that's I was going to say, you say you think, and yet it is a wild take indeed because <laughs> it is a wild take. <laughs> I, mean, I saw a tweet saying that. Uh, I saw a tweet saying that. Talbot, he had 40-whatever saves against the Avs. I saw people tweeting about how bad the goals he let in were. I was just like, are you guys Are you guys kidding me? Listen, there's some people who will never be. It's like when the Wild were th- going through their bad stretch, and like even when they were winning, they were like, that wasn't good enough. It's like, just shut up and take I the know. two points. <laughs> like, right. why do you like, stop complaining? <laughs> I don't care. It's two uh, points. We got the win, yeah. and now we're two points higher in the standings. Yeah. So let's let's just leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Before you take off, do you have uh, anything that you want to plug? Oh, my season wrapped up for PHF. So that's it. You mentioned it with Bard on Beauty's new episodes every Monday. We do Cues with the Buttes, which is a YouTube exclusive. Uh, we usually drop new episodes of those every Friday where we answer fan submitted questions. Um, that's kind of what I got rocking and rolling right now. Looking forward to the home stretch of the NHL season here, regular season. Yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Love it. Thank you again for hopping on and uh, go enjoy the rest of your day because you have earned <laughs> one hell of a day off. I will do that. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, that's our breaking news sound, I guess. Now it's just me beeping with my mouth. Um, <laughs> we we uh we were almost done recording. We had finished up the podcast, and so we're just gonna kind of throw this into the middle of it. So you know, have fun wherever this is. Kevin Weeks breaks the news that the well, Minnesota hold on, hold on. breaks the news live from another just completely random backdrop okay yeah he's he's behind a flower bed of some sort yeah Uh, just ridiculous i absolutely love kevin uh weeks what a guy (laughs) this his trade deadline i I love this bit awesome this bit is awesome and i had to just touch on it before you break the breaking news that everybody already knows because they're listening on a Wednesday, but <laughs> <laughs> by the time you listen to this, it's not breaking news, but Galagoski is going to be signing a two-year extension with the Minnesota wild. 
Uh, Russo then adds that this is true. He's been waiting for GM Bill Guerin to land in Minnesota, but it's believed to be a two-year, uh, two-year, four million dollar deal, which would mean two million dollars per year. Uh, so that means uh, two things. One, Zuch and I were right. Uh, we called longtime listeners of the podcast will remember that when Galagasi was signed, and then again early in the season, we called that uh, he would probably get a uh, one or two year extension for a cheaper rate than very his current, cheap rate than his current five million dollar salary. And we were they right had to on overpay that. this year when they had the money. Okay, right, going to a cap crunch, and now you're getting two years of a solid NHL defenseman. Granted, he's getting older and he's not getting any bigger, but <laughs> he, uh, he 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 he. Is someone I think that gives us some depth and it gives us some veteran leadership in the room to where two years, two mil, I'm for it. I wasn't really happy he signed a one year, five mil, but like Dev just said, we're rational fans on this podcast. We, <laughs> we will think and we will maybe I will say rational, maybe I'm sometimes a- rational, but we kind of figured. The one year five mil was kind of because we had the money up front and we weren't going to have it on the back end. So we couldn't give them three years. Right. Nine mil. Well, exact. I'm pretty sure that's the exact contract we is, on the yeah. pod. Three and that's years, what it'll nine come mil. Out to being. And yeah. that's so what that's, it comes out to be. So, and that's fine. Um, I will say that with the deadline edition of, of uh, Jacob Middleton, who I understand plays a very different game and, I will say that it, it does to me, it's a little bit puzzling of a move because we have Merrill locked up. Uh, Kulikov has another year on his deal. Jordy Ben is the only, I would imagine that Jacob Middleton is going to be here next year too, which means that we now have seven guys, seven, seven defensemen. And that doesn't count Kalen Addison coming up. Um, well, so yeah, I'm guessing I, one of Dumba. I'm guessing, honestly, if you're reading the room, if, if I'm reading the room, about this, gone. Dumba is gone. I don't um, know for sure, but we, we're not obviously, dude. We're hot taking it here. This is it, don't quote us on anything we say on this podcast unless it's about Alex Galagoski and his contract information because we hit that nail right on the head. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, if you're reading the room, how can you not read the room and go, well, Matt Dumba's probably not in a Minnesota wild sweater and they are probably going to get not a haul for him, but they're going to get some, I, they can get some solid assets for Matt Dumba. Yeah, no, I think so too. If that Dumba means a young up and coming prospect that maybe kind of like a Coleman or the Tampa Bay lightning or whatever, um, you know, just needing a bigger role and flourishing in that, or, you know, people from the, the, the Tampa Bay lightning who have gone other places for Hagee, right. example, something like that. Maybe they find some a trade partner for a fourth line, third line guy that's kind of buried in a deep lineup. Not that ours isn't, but still, you get me. You catch me. Right. But so, I mean, if I'm reading the room. Yeah. That's what it looks like right now. I think um, you know the thing too. Like Galagoski is a little bit older. He's 37, um, and he hasn't been playing his best hockey of late. Um, but I think part of that too is that he is 37. Um, he he's getting scratched for the Flyers game, uh, which did mean that the most games that he would finish off this season with would be 999. So this does mean that he will get his thousandth game in a wild sweater, which is great because I'm I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say that I think we're going to see him get scratched a lot more in order to keep him fresh. Because when he's good, I agree. Yeah, he's good. He's very good. So I think that this is just going to be we're going to start seeing more of this like maintenance stuff. 
Well, um, and you can never have enough defensemen, man. There's injuries that happen in a season, and it, it, you can never have enough defensemen. The fact that they're locking up another solid depth guy probably means Middleton's here for the long run on a good deal, too, as well. So, Right. Um, we know Billy G doesn't like to make trades for, you know, rentals. We know that this is this is how Billy G rolls, and I don't know, man. I, I'm liking the decor and how it's being constructed right now. They're building a big. It's almost like they're going big, small, big, small, big, small, <laughs> because they know they got Madison coming up, and he's not a very big defenseman. You're probably losing some size moving Dumba and bringing up Kalen, so you got to get bigger too. So Middleton right. good. Middleton's going to be a fantastic deep pairing. Yeah, I think so. I think deep pairing in my. I opinion, think if, if 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 Goligoski too is is going to keep playing the way he's been playing, I know that like you especially really like him because he gets up, you know, and he pinches and he plays on the offensive side of things pretty well. I'll throw some numbers at you of all the wild defensemen. He is currently tied for the lead with uh, twenty eight points. He is currently fourth in the NHL at plus thirty four. Um, so like, you know, he's, he's driving offense and he's doing a good enough job on defense to, you know, keep guys out of the danger zones, out of the high danger, high danger spots. I think ultimately, you know, we called this something to this effect months ago. The fact that we got it almost exactly right on is just a great moment of vindication, but, um, yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm yeah, because so- I remember we were mad at Wild fans basically saying like, "Oh, what a terrible signing! How could you get a million dollars?" And it's like you realize they're just going to sign him to just an extension for yeah. very. I mean, two and- years in two mil for Goligoski, two mil a year—that's a good deal, man. That's a very solid deal. It's a good, pretty low risk deal because if he does totally wind up falling off a cliff, it's not difficult to unload. You're not a- eating that a- much money. You're not eating that much money, and it's not difficult to unload a, tw- a two million dollar contract. No, you know, especially you to, yeah, exactly. You could unload that contract to a bunch. of. So yeah, it's um surprising. I didn't think that it would happen after the addition of Jacob Middleton, but um I do like it. So yeah, I right. thought it would for sure happen in the off season. I didn't think it would happen, you know, just. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, hey, we're extending him two years. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just weird yeah, timing. That's, uh, that's going to do it. And back to the rest of the show. All right, big thanks to Alexis. We didn't include it in the actual interview, but she mentioned her like schedule ahead of time where she finished up the PHF show at midnight Eastern and then got on a plane. And She got up to go to the airport at 4.30, got on a plane at 7, got back to Minnesota at about 10 o'clock, and then uh, recorded with us in the uh, early afternoon. So like, big thanks to her for taking some time out of that schedule because it would have been incredibly easy for her to be like, you know, I'm good. I was just on ESPN. I'm exhausted. Uh, let's do this another time. And she didn't instead was like, thank you for having me. And she is delightful <laughs> and terrific. And we can't wait to have her back on before we wrap up the show though. We are going to wrap up the same way that we end every show. Mr. Zooch, what is your wild take? My wild take will excite some wild fans out there that are hoping for this outcome, but <laughs> wild take is Kevin Fiala is a member of the Minnesota Wild next season. I think he's too important to go. He's too important to this uh, this hockey team. Talent talent alone. Um, I hear that Matt Dumb is a great locker room guy. Yes. 100%. But can you really... You can make the argument. Okay, I'm not going to say you can't make an argument for having Dumb over Fiala. But I, I just... I, I'm on the side that Fiala keeps this team a contender if he's on the team next year, where if you have Dumba, no Fiala, I'm 
just I'm a little down, not a little down, but I just don't see him being as good because Fiala is a humongous piece to this team. He is super fast. He's got great hands. He's got a great shot. If he can improve on that defensive and back checking side and the turnover side in the middle of the ice, the turnovers is what drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, he, he'd be, he'd be a top, what a top 20 player. I'd say if he's, if he calms down the turnovers and actually played hard on defense all the time, Kevin Fiala would be a menace to this league. And I think they can, they can sign him to a contract maybe two, three, four years and work on that defensive side of the game and the turnovers and watch him and Kaprizov carry this team for years to come. So that's my wild take is Kevin Fiala. They find a way to keep him around. And if that means Matt Dumba's on the way out, then it is what it is. I love Matt Dumba. He's a great player, but I just think Kevin Fiala is a little more important to this team. Yeah. I mean, it definitely uh, sucks to think about. But, it does. I don't want to lose either. I love Matt Tumba. He's yeah, I think uh, I think presence, but I think Billy G has said a couple times that like he has a plan. He's going to stick to the plan. Whatever. Obviously, he yeah. Let's know what the actual plan is. But I just I'm hoping that somehow the plan is get Kevin to sign like a three a three-year deal like almost like a bridge deal where he's at right. like his current money and then like promise him like an eight-year deal coming out of that where right um you know it'll be a net positive for him and have something i don't know i'm hoping that that's what the plan is i have my doubts but um i hope you're right <laughs> my my wild take is a little bit different um it was announced uh, earlier this week that uh, the Wild have signed our guy Sam Henchies uh, to his uh, two-year entry-level contract. So my wild take is that Sam Henchies will be a mainstay in the Wild roster uh, before that two-year ELC is up. So maybe not next year, but definitely by the year after that. Okay. Um, I think that it just makes a lot of sense. He he's young, he's skilled, he fills a uh, fills a lot of holes. Um, in he's going to be very cheap. And he uh, he fills holes that uh, we're going to be at the risk of losing over the next uh, the next period of time as the uh, the cap crunch gets real. So yeah, that's uh, maybe not the craziest wild take of all time, but um, hey for man, a guy, I won't mind Sam Hentges, Marco Rossi coming up into the fold. So yeah, like that salary cap all of a sudden doesn't seem like as much of an issue. So right. Who knows, man? It's the season. Uh, this is the season right here that I hope the Wild make a run and kind of get these guys some playoff experience. And who knows? Maybe a run this year means the guys are used to the playoffs. They get that playoff atmosphere, and they get the you know the you they get used to winning. Let's just put it at that. And well, it's like they always as much of a stacked team the next year when they make the playoffs. They just need the right team. If that makes sense. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, it's like we always say: it's not about working hard and having fun; it's about fucking winning. Exactly. So, as always, thanks for listening to the Wild Takes podcast presented by Ten Thousand Takes. Go give us a follow on social media at Wild Takes Ten K. Make sure to follow along with the rest of the Ten K guys as well, especially the Hasbins. They're going to be on the show next week. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you hate the show, tell your enemies. That's a win-win for you. It is about fucking winning. Let's go Wild. Stay safe out there, folks. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch, go.